Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, I was wondering when you were going to get here. You know, the church has left the building and Jesus is out of the tomb. And that's what we're doing. We're celebrating Easter. I'm just so excited to be able to share it with each and every one of you. So for uh, all of our locations, we welcome you. Hope you're doing great today. Uh, I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day, and we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, this is the day where we gather together usually and exclaim this truth that Jesus Christ is risen. We've got this incredible idea that we have been rolling out for the last few days, and that is we want every everybody to make a video and you can get on uh, the crossing.net backslash Easter and find out how to do this because what we want to do is proclaim that Jesus Christ is risen to a million people. That's right, a million people. And I think when we think of over 10,000 people, 15,000 people uh, joining together in worship on the weekend, everybody knows at least 100 people. So we could have a million people hear the message about Jesus Jesus Christ. You know, normally what we do on Easter is we we go to church and Christians tell other Christians that, which really doesn't accomplish what God wanted to happen from the beginning. He wanted that message to go out to the world. And so since we aren't in the building, that we've left the building, what I want all of you to do is to share that Uh, Make that video, post it on all your social media, and let people know that Jesus Christ is risen. And that's an awesome thing. You know, uh, some of us really don't have that kind of a mood today, do we? Because uh, uh, there's a pandemic, and uh, it has completely turned our lives around 180 degrees. And we don't know what it's going to look like uh, in the immediate future. But let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is risen. But you don't understand, Jerry. I mean, there's this death toll. As a matter of fact, they're saying that during Holy Week from Good Friday to Easter, it's going to be the worst that it's been. Yeah, yeah, I know that too. But Jesus Christ is still risen. Well, I just don't know how much longer I can handle this isolation. Some of us are getting stir crazy and we're tired of eating takeout and, 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 you know, we're feeling that pressure. But wait, listen, Jesus Christ is risen. Uh, Our church buildings are closed and we're not able to do the ministry the way we used to do it. And we're having to figure out all kinds of new ways of doing ministry. But Jesus Christ is still risen. Well, the healthcare system is being overtaxed and what's going to end up happening? Well, Jesus Christ is still risen. Well, what about uh, my retirement? My retirement's in shambles and my 401k is looking terrible. Jesus Christ is still risen. Oh, you, you know, school's out. Everything's been canceled. The kids are driving me nuts. Jesus Christ is still risen. Oh, I, was, I got laid off from my job and I'm having to go get unemployment. Jesus Christ is still risen. No matter how difficult the circumstance, our greatest circumstance has already been solved because of this day, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Jesus Christ is risen and that changes everything. And what Jesus has done is greater than anything else that can happen in this world. Aren't you glad about that? 
simple. This is an interesting Easter, isn't it? It's like, it doesn't even feel like we're celebrating. I mean, when you're at home, it's different when you're at the church and you're celebrating. We've been doing that for 2,000 years, right? And so having a weekend, an Easter weekend, where we don't celebrate at church, it's kind of a, an odd feeling. But let me clue you in on something. This isn't the first Easter that wasn't celebrated. Do you know the, one, the other one that wasn't celebrated? It was the first one. Yeah, there was nobody gathering to celebrate the resurrection of Christ the day that he actually rose uh, from the dead. And do you know why? Because the, they didn't even understand what had happened. They were still trying to wrap their arms around it, didn't, didn't have a clue really about it. And, you know, in the midst of trying to understand our present circumstances, where we are right now, I, I, I don't want us to fail to understand the deeper truths of that first Easter morning when Jesus rose from the dead and started to reveal himself to people and people started to wrap their minds around this reality that they never ever thought would ever be true. There are obvious truths to us today though about that first resurrection morning. You know, Jesus's dead body, it lies in a borrowed tomb and and at the crack of dawn, an angel comes down from heaven like lightning, it says, and rolls the stone away. And then he sits on that, uh, that tombstone. And the guards that were guarding the tomb, they either run for their lives or faint dead away. And Jesus walks out of that tomb alive. You know, his dead body is transformed and it's filled with life. And uh, he walks, he walks out of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene is there and she thinks he's the gardener. And uh, she starts to talk to this man thinking that he's the gardener. And when he says her name, Mary, she realizes it's the Lord. You know, where, where, where are the other people? They're not celebrating. Where are they? They're cowering in fear. They've run and, and hid themselves. And they're not uh, believing these, what they would have thought was hysterical stories of people claiming to see Jesus. They're still trying to control what they perceive as the damage. But what is Jesus doing? I mean, after he walks out of the tomb and after he appears to Mary and after the angels begin to tell the disciples that Jesus is risen, what is he doing? Well, he's walking. He's walking. Literally. And you know what he's not doing? He's not looking for his closest friends. He's, he's not looking for the Jewish religious leaders to prove them wrong. He's not looking for any government authorities to take revenge on them for what they did to him. He's not looking for a stadium to fill so that he could show himself to the masses alive. No, he's not doing that. He's just, he's just walking. And he's walking to meet two obscure people in the Bible. And you know what he's going to do that first Easter? He's going to spend nearly all day with the two of them. You know what? That is so like Jesus, isn't it? I mean, I think about his birth in Bethlehem, of all places, Bethlehem, at the most inopportune time, the time of a, of a Roman census where there's this incredible crowd 
And it's hard for people to get around to the point that Mary and Joseph can't even find a decent place to get a night's sleep or for her to have this baby. And he's born in this, in this stable. His, uh, his newborn body is laid in a, in a, in a manger instead of a cradle. And the only people that visit him are shepherds, the lowliest of people, but that's just like him. It's always been like him to think about those people that other people wouldn't think about. That's why he grew up in overlooked Galilee. That's why he chose Capernaum as the place where his ministry would happen. That's why he chose unlikely people for followers like like fishermen and a tax collector and people of questionable reputation, forgotten people that nobody else would even consider, ragtag people. Those are the ones that would become his followers. And you know what? That's just like me. That's just like you, isn't it? Because that's just like Jesus. So there are these two men and they're walking. Now it's important to understand where they're walking. They're walking away from Jerusalem. Bible says that they're walking to a town called Emmaus. And where are they, why are they walking away from Jerusalem and to Emmaus? Well, they're walking away from their loss. These were two followers of Jesus, not the big name followers of Jesus, but they were followers of Jesus and they're walking away from their loss. They're, they're walking away from their pain or at least trying to walk away from their pain and they're actually walking into disillusionment. All their hopes, all their dreams that they had for Jesus, they're just dashed. And you know what they're doing? They're walking into a, a deeper pain, a longer lasting pain and a deeper disappointment and a longer, more lingering, lasting sense of loss. You know what they're trying to do is they're trying to put distance between themselves and those realities, but they're actually walking deeper into it. Isn't that just like us? Sometimes we try to put more and more distance between ourselves and the realities that are just dragging us down into the lower story, but we end up walking deeper and deeper into those same realities. We can't seem to escape them. Maybe there's things right now that have gotten a hold of you. Maybe it's connected to the pandemic. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something that was happening long before this and you anticipate it'll happen a long time after that. I wonder if you feel like things have gotten a hold of you, kind of like these two guys walking away from Jerusalem, walking away from where Jesus was crucified. You're trying to get rid of it. You're trying to shed yourself of that, but you can't get free. One of these two guys doesn't even have a recorded name in the scripture. The other one does. His name is Cleopas. He's a follower of Jesus, but not one that any gospel writer paid any attention to or wasted any ink on. You know, he doesn't have a title like the, an apostle or some honorable mention that they would make of him. Just silence. But he does have a devoted wife. Um, and she is mentioned in the book of John, chapter 19, verse 25. It says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, and Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. So she was there. 
comforting Jesus's mother as Jesus was dying on the cross. She didn't run. She didn't hide. She didn't try to get free of this. She owned it. So Cleopas did have a pretty strong wife. She was with Mary at the crucifixion of Jesus, and she saw the angels after the resurrection of Jesus. And she even shared the message of the angels with the apostles. But you know what? They didn't believe her. They couldn't believe her. That was just too fantastic. It was just too crazy of an idea that Jesus would have risen from the dead and even her own husband. Her own husband didn't believe her. If he did, he wouldn't be on a road from Jerusalem to Emmaus with somebody else. And you know what I see? I see Jesus specifically positioning himself so that his pathway and their pathway would intersect, that these two roads would come together and then he would walk toward them and interact with them. This was all by his design. So while they were walking away from Jesus, Jesus was walking toward them. Did you capture that? Because that's just like us. Even while we're walking away from Jesus, you think that Jesus is walking away from us? Even though we try as hard as we can to put distance between us and Jesus, he still walks and he still walks toward us. And at the times when we think that he'd never ever catch up with us, he's right there, right there beside us. You know what? Jesus is walking toward you right now. You might be walking away from your faith. You might be wanting to walk away from Jesus, but he's walking toward you just like he was walking toward them. And you know what I want us to do? I want us to join them right now at this moment in time, 2000 years ago on that first Easter morning. We read about it in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. I'm gonna read 13 to 24. It says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were walking with each other and talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people and the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was gonna redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see.
So when I read that scripture in Luke 24, there's some things that really jump right off the page uh, in my direction. And one of them, the first one, is this whole idea of they were kept from recognizing Jesus. And some of you might be like wrestling with that one a little bit. Like, well, why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just come up and go, hey, guys? And they they would have been all excited. I actually love that. I absolutely love the idea that they were kept from recognizing Jesus. Let me tell you why I'm so glad of that. It's because it keeps what they say next honest. Since they, they don't know that it's Jesus, they're unfiltering their emotions. So I get to hear what they're actually thinking, uh, sharing, feeling, and then that connects with me uh, on a lot uh, deeper level. Um, so what is it that they're thinking and what is it that uh, they're feeling? Well, first, that scripture says that they were downcast. And you know what that means. It means like you're, you're so downhearted that you're just looking down. They're casting their vision toward the ground. And you know why? Because this is breaking their hearts. The fact that Jesus has died on the cross and they don't really believe that he's risen from the dead has just overwhelmed them. And, and, and so it's emotional. It's, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, it's not just that. It isn't just this idea of being hurt. Uh, it's more than that. They're actually angry, like underneath the hurt. You can see this bubbling anger. And uh, you can tell when they answer Jesus, like when he said, like, what, what happened in Jerusalem? And they say this, are you the only person that doesn't know what actually happened? I mean, that is a frustrated, snarky, cynical question. It's rhetorical. They're not really looking for him to respond to it. They're just trying to push him down a little bit. And that means underneath this hurt uh, is, is some real uh, anger. But Jesus doesn't let that slow him down. You know, he just keeps pressing in. And then they give this answer about Jesus in the past tense. They go, Jesus was this, and Jesus was that, right? He was a, a, a great prophet, and, and he was a great teacher. What is that telling you? But just because they're using that tense, it's telling you that in their mind, he's gone. He's dead. He's past tense. He is part of their history, not part, really, of their future. And it reveals something even deeper, that... Jesus had not lived up to their expectations. They said something like, he's going to redeem Israel. And I think they had in their own mind what that actually meant, to redeem Israel. And he did not live up to their expectations. And where they were walking, the fact that they were walking away from Jerusalem and toward Emmaus really answers the question, of whether or not they believed the testimony of the women who talked to the angels. It's a flat no. They didn't. They don't recognize him, do they? Well, neither do we. And I think that is the most powerful part of the truth of, the, of this reality that they're dealing with and why I think it's so important that Jesus did not reveal his identity to them. Because I think that a lot of times, especially now, in the midst of what we're dealing with, our faces are often downcast. 
And we get lost down in this lower story of the present circumstances, all the stuff that uh, media keeps shoveling in our direction when Jesus is actually right here. I want you to think about that. He's right here. Well, if Jesus were here, well, why wouldn't he change the circumstances? It is better that he's here in the midst of them. He's here right now in the midst of these circumstances for you and for me. And you know what? Just like these guys on this road to Emmaus, I wonder if you're getting cynical. I wonder if you're getting angry. And the reason is because Jesus is not measuring up to your expectations of him. You think, well, if I were Jesus, I would do this. And the way I understood Jesus to be, it should be like this, that that's what my Jesus is. And if Jesus doesn't do that the way that I expect him to do it, well, then maybe I need to put him in the past tense. Maybe I need to be frustrated. Maybe I need to be hurt and angry. I think that uh, we don't believe the testimony of others either. I think that we're surrounded by people who've had powerful moments encountering Jesus Christ and they've shared those and yet they just bounce off of us. Like we don't really want to accept that because maybe it isn't our personal experience, at least not yet. You know, one of the reasons I believe that they didn't recognize Jesus is that it was not the Jesus that they were looking for. That they would have recognized Jesus that met their expectations, but they were having trouble recognizing a Jesus that they weren't looking for. And I wonder if sometimes you have trouble recognizing Jesus because he's not the Jesus that you're looking for. I think we can struggle in the same way. He's not the person that we were looking for He's better, but maybe we're having a hard time seeing that. And he's not where we're looking for him. They weren't, they would have wanted to look back in Jerusalem if they were looking, they weren't looking for him there, yet that is where he was. There's a lot to pick up there, but I want us to walk a little bit more. And to do that, let's get back into the story. Luke 24, I want to read verses 25 to 27. It says, he said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. second thing that I see in this passage of scripture is that Jesus didn't uh, try to placate them. He didn't try to mollycoddle them. He told them the truth, the truth about who they were. You know, he calls them foolish. He calls them slow to believe. That's not exactly flattering, is it? But then he teaches them. And I want you to check this out. It says early on in the passage that Emmaus was seven miles away from Jerusalem. Think about that for a second, seven miles. And these guys are walking. So how long does it take to walk seven miles? I mean, these guys, they walked everywhere they went. They were in good shape, right? And they were young men. 
So I'd say they could walk that seven miles in about two and a half hours, three at the, at the longest, but probably two and a half hours or even less, right? And you know what the scripture says? It says that in that two and a half hour period, and that'd be like the longest it would be, Jesus explained all that was said about him in the Old Testament. You know, there's a lot that is said about Jesus in the Old Testament, all the prophecies concerning him. And he was able to get through all of that with them about Jesus having to suffer and die and what that meant in that short space of time. What a master teacher Jesus is. And you know what? If you walk with Jesus, he's going to be just the same with you. He's not going to placate you. He's not going to mollycoddle you. He's going to reveal the truth to you. He's going to reveal the truth about you as well. And if there's foolishness, he's going to point out foolishness. And if you're slow to believe, he's going to point that out, that you're slow to believe. But you know what else he'll do? He'll teach you and he'll grow you and you'll be better for that time that you spent with him. You know, it doesn't take a long time to know the truth about exactly who Jesus is. It didn't take long for those two guys, for Jesus to explain all the scriptures to them, and it doesn't take long for you to know it either. And if you just would keep walking, just walk a little further with Jesus, you'll see where that teaching is going to take you. Well, let's go back into the story. It's Luke chapter 24, verses 28 and 29. It says, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Huh. I love that. Jesus was invited to stay with them. And I think it's interesting because Jesus acted as if he were going to continue to go down that road, that he was not going to do that, right? He didn't ask them, hey, hey guys, can I stay with you? He didn't do that. As a matter of fact, it was a place where these two guys had to take the initiative with Jesus. They invited him. To stay. And not only did they invite him, the Bible says that they urged him strongly to stay. They even made the case of why it would be better for Jesus to stay than to not stay with them. And here's the takeaway from that. And it's a big one for me. If you want Jesus to stay with you, you're going to have to invite him to do that. If you want Jesus to stay with you, it's your responsibility. You need to urge him to come into your life. You need to urge him to come into your heart. He's there right there with you now, but Jesus will not go where he is not invited. And that's my question. Have you invited Jesus to stay with you? Have you urged him strongly? Now, what I want us to do now is I want us to sit down a little while with Jesus and these two guys and see where the story continues from the 30th to the 32nd verse. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then 
their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Jesus reveals himself. Jesus always reveals himself. Eventually, we realize that it was him all along. And there's a whole lot of takeaways here for me. I hope there are for you. The first thing is that he spent all day with these two guys. You know, if I were writing the script, I would have written it so different. Don't think for a moment that he won't spend that kind of time with you. I think some of you right now might be going, Jesus would never do that with me. He would never waste all that time on me. I bet he's been spending more time with you than you can even begin to imagine. Maybe you just didn't recognize him. Another thing I see is that Jesus chooses the exact moment for them to recognize him. He chooses that exact moment. And then the moment after that, he disappears. You know, there's this moment. And many of you have had this moment. Some of you have never had this moment. This, this moment in time in your life where you recognized him. Might have been at a church service. Might it have been at some other event? Might have been when you're at home or reading your Bible or praying? And there's this moment, this moment when you recognize it's Jesus. He really loves me, knows my name. He didn't just die for the world. He died for me. In that moment, you recognize him. In that moment, you want to make him your own. I see that happen in the faces of people who break through the water of baptism that moment when they recognize Jesus. It's so beautiful. And then the moment after that, he disappears. Now, I'm going to explain that because that sounds kind of anticlimactic. It sounds kind of like, wait a minute, second I see him, then he's gone. Why would he do that? There, there is this moment that, he, that we come to where we have this intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ established. That moment we realize that it's, it's him, and that's a moment, but it's not a moment that we can really hold on to. And this is why. These guys didn't recognize that they had walked with Jesus all day until after they had walked with him all day. Because while they were walking with him, they were walking in their faithlessness, right? And then when they recognized that it was him and then he was gone, it was time for them to walk by faith. And once we meet Jesus, once we come into relationship with Jesus, it's time for us to walk by faith. That's what he wants. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, for we walk by faith and not by sight. If you want to know why Jesus disappeared, that's why. Because he wanted from that moment on for those two disciples to walk by faith. And I guess my question to you is, are you ready to walk by faith? They do. They walk by faith after that. And we need to get to the end of the story to see that. So let's see what the end of the story looks like. It's in verses 33 to 35. It says they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. 
And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. You know what? Burning hearts have to share. Burning hearts can't hold something like that in. You can't just not tell anybody. You have to tell everybody. And I love it because the Bible says these guys got up from the meal. They didn't have time to finish the meal. I mean, Jesus broke the bread and he gave it to them. And and so the meal's on the plate, but they don't have time for eating. It's nighttime and it's going to be a hazardous trip back to Jerusalem at night. But no, they can't wait for daylight. They can't make a plan. They can't wait till they finish their supper. What they have to do is get up right then and they have to go down that road and they have to walk until they find the apostles because they've got to tell somebody. They have to tell anybody, Jesus Christ is risen. And when they got back, they found out that they were a a part of a much bigger story than just the two of them. They were part of an upper story, an incredible upper story. And you know what? We're connected to those two guys because we're part of the same story. We're part of the upper story. You see, the resurrection is about the upper story. The crucifixion, well, that's about the lower story, isn't it? That's about all of our sin. It's about all of our baggage, all of our hurt, all of our pain, all piled up day after day, year after year century after century, multiplied by all the people that have walked on the face of this earth. And Jesus Christ carried that lower story on the cross for all of us. But Easter is about victory. It's about Jesus bringing us into the upper story. Jesus is risen. And just like I said at the beginning, it changes everything. It changed everything for those two guys. And it's going to change everything for you. Now, we're moving to a time of decision. It's Easter. What better time is there to make a decision for Christ right now? You know what I think? I think when you read along with me the story of the two men who walked away from Jerusalem toward Emmaus and they met Jesus, I think there's a whole lot in that story that connects with you. But it isn't going to make any difference until you get to the point where they got. And that is... Take advantage of this moment and invite Jesus to stay with you. Urge him strongly. If you've never come into an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, now is the time. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week or next month. It's not when you do whatever it is else you want to do. It's right now. And if you're online and and in a chat room right now, I need for you to tell somebody that. If you go to one of our locations, I I need for you to text your campus pastor or somebody else that you attend church with right now and say, I need to make this decision for Christ. I'm telling you what, the water is still warm at all of our locations and all of those baptistries. And you need to have a time where you recognize and meet Jesus, that you're buried with him, and raised to walk in newness of life with him in Christian baptism. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, he is right here, right now, waiting for you. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I wonder if you're like those two guys. Oh, you've been a follower for a long time, 
But right now you're struggling. You know, now is the time to dig deeper into the Lordship of Christ, to remember that no matter what's happening in our lower story, he is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's still on his throne. None of this is surprising him. And he has an upper story plan for your life. You might need to be praying about that right now. And speaking of prayer, would you do that with me? Heavenly Father, I pray right now, as people are considering the steps that they need to take, to get into relationship with you that's intimate and personal, that you would stir their hearts. And like those two guys on that road, when they sat down to dinner, we could reflect on this moment. Didn't our hearts burn within us? Father, I pray right now you would make our hearts burn for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.